All right, Romans chapter 7 this morning, the book of Romans chapter number 7. And we're going to begin reading this morning in verse number 14. Romans chapter number 7. Last uh, five weeks we've been in a series called Real Real Christianity and uh, talking about the aspect of relationship versus religion. And so this morning, we are actually going to dive into that specific topic of relationship versus religion, uh, the impossible Christian life. And so um, we're going to begin in Romans chapter 7, and if you would, hold your place there. We're going to look at quite a few other passages of Scripture. This is a Scripture to kind of build our case on understanding that our walk with God is a relationship rather than just uh, a religion. It's not a religion. It's not in the sense of a ritualistic uh, type relationship. And we're going to define that a little bit more this morning. So in Romans chapter number 7, we're going to begin reading in verse number 14. The Bible says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. Now we know this is the Apostle Paul penning these words, obviously underneath the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So he says, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal. So Paul is acknowledging right off the bat here in this verse exactly what we should acknowledge, and that's we're carnal. He says, sold under sin. He says, for that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not, but what I hate, that do I. So let's kind of come together. I know it's early this morning for Sunday school hour, but come together with this thought that Paul's relating something to us that we can find our, ourselves here in verse number 15, and that is this, is that what we want to do, we don't do. And what we don't want to do, we end up doing. You get an amen there. We struggle with that. And every one of us struggles, whether you've been saved for a year, or whether you've been saved for 50 years, whether you've been saved for 60 years, whatever the case is, we all struggle with that. That's part of that sinful flesh. So let's keep reading here, verse number 16. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. Stop there for just a second and kind of uh, summarize here what Paul is saying. Paul is acknowledging the struggle that every one of us ought to acknowledge, and that is this. We struggle with sin, and we struggle with sin when we don't want to struggle with sin. You say, what do you mean by that, Brother Andrew? We have this mindset, like we know what we want to do. We know, hey, I don't want to go this route because I know this is sinful, or I know this is wrong, or I, I know this is going to ruin my testimony. But as we're thinking that, at the same time, there's that sinful flesh, uh, and, and the Satan's there tempting us and deceiving us, and we struggle with doing right. That's what Paul's acknowledging here. Look at verse number 20. He says, now if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? 
Paul says, hey, listen, there's within me a desire to live for God. There's within me a drive and a passion to live for God. And, and I would agree to say this morning, we could agree to this, that Paul was someone who had a firm uh, conviction when it came to, to God and, and came to living for God. But at the same time, Paul is acknowledging for us, there is something else that lives inside of us. There is a war. There's spiritual warfare, spiritual conflict that goes on. And he says, I'm struggling with this. And he says in verse number 24, who shall deliver me? And he says this in verse 25, I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. So we're going to look at this morning, relationship, not religion, the impossible Christian life. Father, we thank you again for the privilege and the opportunity it is to be able to meet in your house. We're thankful for the Sunday school hour, Lord, for those that have taken the time uh, to sit down and bring up Facebook or bring up YouTube, whatever the case is, to be able to watch the Sunday school hour. I pray this morning, Lord, there's a, there's a, lot, of, uh, there's a lot of detail, a lot of information in the Sunday school lesson, and uh, Lord, a lot of, a lot of notes. And I, I pray that, as, as, uh, Lord, as I preach and as I teach this morning, that it would be clear, it would be concise, it would be informative. Uh, but at the same time, God, I, I pray that it would strengthen us, Lord, in our relationship with you. Uh, even as this week, as in reading and studying and praying, uh, Lord, even the message Wednesday night that Pastor preached, Lord, there's things that you remind us in our relationship and our walk with you. Lord, I'm thankful that my relationship with you is, is um, Lord, it's, 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 always, it's always changing. It's always, I'm always being challenged in my walk. I'm always being, uh, Lord, just reminded of those commitments that I've made to you, those promises I've made to you. Lord, maybe this morning somebody would be sitting, whether it's in the auditorium, at, at home, in their car, uh, maybe even some are working this morning or are watching this on a phone or a computer screen, whatever the case is. And maybe they're thinking about their relationship with you and it just seems like it's, it's flat, it's stagnant. Or they're trying so, 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 so hard to have that relationship with you and they just feel like they have failed and that there's no relationship whatsoever. God, I pray this morning as we look at this passage of Scripture and at this lesson uh, that those, those challenges and those questions would be answered and dealt with. We love and we thank you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. For many, the Christian life breaks down because they see it as a religion rather than a relationship. And so as we began this series about five weeks ago, we, we began this series with the mindset of this. We're going to address the topic of a real relationship or real Christianity and understanding that we don't want Christianity that's fake, that's phony, or that's superficial. And we talked about the first couple of weeks how that as a Christian, that, that is a broad term in today's society. Uh, that somebody who says, hey, I'm a Christian, uh, it doesn't really specifically define them as an individual or maybe where they stand, but it's very broad. And so when we look at it from our perspective, or as we're looking at it today, this morning, I want us to understand this morning, we're not necessarily talking about religion, we're talking about a relationship. And, and if we think this morning, man, Brother Andrew, uh, you know, if you were to say, well, uh, you know, you're a Baptist, I mean, that's, that's got to be a religion or a denomination or a, a, a tag or whatever you, Listen, I, I want to put all that aside for a second this morning and realize this, that I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And first and foremost, that has got to be the thing that we address. And that has got to be the, the topic this morning that we look at and go, do I honestly have a relationship or a, a, a relationship with God? 
And in saying that, it, it gets us to the point to where we've got to kind of do a little bit of self-evaluation of why we, uh, why we do what we do. And so in Romans chapter number 7, the beginning part here in verse number 14 through verse number 17 and 18, Paul gives us a look, if you would, at his spiritual life. I mean, really, when you think about it, and you read this, many of us have read this passage of Scripture multiple times, and we'll quote from it. But if you take a step back for a second and go, okay, Paul, if, and the way I looked at this this week was like, man, if Paul was sitting in my office, and he was sitting in the chair across from me, and he said, you know, Brother Andrew, I need to come in for some counseling, and I'm like, man, I'm going to counsel the Apostle Paul. Come on in, brother, bring it in. And Paul's sitting across from me, and Paul's, and the counseling goes, Brother Andrew, I'm just struggling. I'm struggling here. Well, Paul, Paul, brother, Paul, <clears throat> you came to the right place. What can I help you with, Brother Paul? And here's what Paul says. Uh, brother Andrew, in a nutshell here, I'm paraphrasing, he says, I'm struggling, and I'm struggling. When I want to do good, I can't do it. And, and, and when, when, when I don't want to do bad, I end up doing it. I'm just struggling with this. And the realization is I was sitting there reading this this week, thinking about this illustration was, you know, the roles could be reversed there. I could be the one looking at Paul going, Paul, I'm struggling with sin in my life. I'm struggling with wanting to do good, but I'm doing bad. And, and when I don't want to do uh, 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 bad, I, or sorry, when I want to do good, I'm doing bad and, and vice versa. And Paul, I'm just struggling with sin. And so when we think about this, when it comes to relationship, not religion, it kind of levels the playing field, if you would. It makes us realize this morning this, that we're all sinners. So what do you mean by that, Brother Andrew? Well, I mean, think about it. I mean, think about Riverside Baptist Church. And on any given Sunday, there's 300, a little over 300 people in the services, whether it's in the main auditorium, in junior church, or the nursery, whatever the case is. And you know, out of those 300, let's just say 300 even, out of those 300 people, guess how many of those people are true blue sinners? All 300. All 300. Hey, listen, that means myself. That means uh, Brother Bronner over there on the piano. That means uh, Brother Dan. Man, Brother Dan is a big sinner. Amen. Brother Dan's sinner. Uh, the deacons are sinners. Sunday school teachers are sinners. Listen, even Pastor Marshall, and he's sitting in here this morning. I promise you he's sitting in here. Even Pastor Marshall's a sinner. But what it does is it levels the playing field. And so Paul's addressing this, this issue of a relationship going, I am struggling with this. You know, one of the things that sometimes I have found with Christians when we struggle in our relationship with God is that we won't admit we struggle with sin. Let's be honest. You ever met that person that said, man, I've, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. You know, man, my, my relationship with God, it could be better. It needs to be better. I'm really struggling with God answering my prayers. I'm really struggling with this, 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 and this. And you get down to the nitty gritty of things and they have done absolutely nothing wrong. And in their eyes, they think they're the greatest thing since sliced bread. And in reality, if we would just come to God and say, God, I am struggling, and here's why I'm struggling. I'm a sinner. And now listen, I'm not saying that, that we go to God and go, God, you know, I, I, I'm born again, I'm saved, I shouldn't be struggling with No, no, no. Even when we're saved, even when we accept Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, we're still going to sin. We've got to acknowledge that even as Christians. Now, we're, talk, we're not talking about necessarily uh, at this point in our, in our series becoming a Christian. No, no, we're talking about already being a Christian but being a real Christian, real Christianity, a relationship versus religion. So in order for me to have a right relationship with God, I have got to acknowledge my mistakes. I've got to acknowledge my shortcomings. You say, listen, I, I'm saved, I'm born again, uh, that, nothing, can, nothing can take that away. But if I go to God in my relationship with him and I go, okay, God, I'm, I'm good, I'm good. 
I'm just going through the motions. I'm just doing the show. I'm just doing the act. I, I read my Bible. I pray. I go to church. I tithe. I give to missions. I serve in ministry. Man, I am good. No, 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 no. Paul is really getting down to the nitty-gritty this morning, and he says this, I struggle in my relationship because of sin. That's what he's getting at. And so here's what happens. When we talk about relationship versus religion, religion tells us this and teaches us this. If you do this, God will overlook your sin. If you do this, God will overlook your shortcomings. I didn't bring it in this morning, but uh, there is a... There is a religion in the world today uh, that propagates their philosophy, we'll say it this way, that propagates their philosophy that if you do enough good works and if you do enough um, certain things that, that you'll gain acceptance in God's eyes and that you'll gain heaven and, and, and you'll have peace and you'll have joy and you'll have love in your life. I don't find that in the scripture. But here's what I do find. I find the fact that Paul acknowledges that he's sinful. I find the fact that Paul acknowledges he's fallen short. I find the fact that Paul acknowledges he struggles with sin in his life. And he says, man, what can I do? He says in verse number 25, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Here's what Paul is saying. Paul is saying all the religious acts, all the religious emphasis, all the things that I think I have to do to get acceptance to God, I can do none of those things and have, and have, uh, have God look at me and go, man, Paul is exactly what I want. No, no, no. He says this in verse number 25. I thank God through who? Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul acknowledges this morning that real relationship is not about acts, it's not about necessarily religion, but it's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. So, you might be thinking this morning, well, I, I'm better than the guy down the street, or I'm, I'm better than my neighbor, or I'm better than than so-and-so, and I'm better than, man, I'm definitely better than Brother Andrew. Man, Brother Andrew is a wicked, horrible sinner. Well, in Isaiah chapter number 64, verse number 6, the Bible tells us this, but we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as a filthy rags. So if the Christian life is a moral code, you and I can't do it. So what do you mean by that, Brother Andrew? If, if I was to look at, let's say, uh, uh, let's say I was looking at Brother Mike Wolfram, and I'd say, Brother Mike, you know, in order for you to be a good Christian, you have to do this right here. And you have to meet this line and this code. And you have to do these certain things. And Brother Mike would be like, okay, well, Brother Andrew, where's that in the Bible? I don't know, Brother Mike. I just made that up. Listen, that's religion. That's religion. And God is saying this. Morally, you can't do it. Morally, I can't. Listen, morally, there's no way I can, I can get to heaven morally in, in myself. Andrew, I, I can't do it. Why? Because we already addressed this. I'm sinful. So, is, it's, you got to acknowledge this this morning. It is impossible, impossible for me to morally be accepted in God's eyes because of my sinful, sinful condition. So what do I do? Do I throw my hands up and say, okay, God, I'm struggling with this. I'm struggling my walk with you. I'm struggling my life. I, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm reading my Bible and I'm not, you're not speaking to me. And God, I'm praying. You're not answering any of my prayers. And and God, I tithe, and I give to missions, and it just seems like financially you're not blessing me, and, and God, I serve at church, and, and, and I try to be a blessing to my brothers and sisters in Christ, and, and oh, it's just not working, God, and just quit. Just walk away from what God has for us. That's, I don't believe that's what God desires for us. But religion teaches us this, that if you do X, Y, and Z, then God will do A, B, and C. That's what religion does. Hence the reason why people will do crazy, crazy things 
in the name of religion, such as handling snakes, cutting themselves, even sacrificing family members. Listen, by religion, we're talking about a moral system, or, or in today's vernacular, religion implies a well-oiled system of climbing to God. Religion is the mindset of this, is that I have to attain to a certain level. I have to do these certain acts to get closer to God. You know, there's, uh, there's, uh, there's denominations out there that, that say that, and then kind of, that say this, that, hey, you know, the, the I wouldn't call them preachers because they're not preachers, uh, the, the priest of our denomination uh, cannot be married. Well, why can't they be married? Well, because when they're not married, they're closer to God. And so there's a ladder system, if you would, of these individuals and, and, and of people, human beings, trying to achieve this system to get closer to God. Where is that in the Bible? But here's the, here's the sad thing, that sometimes even as born-again believers, sometimes even as Christians, as those that have put their faith and trust in God, listen, that we'll do the exact same thing. See, down here we got saved. We can, we can think about our day of salvation. We can think about when we got born again and we put our faith and trust in God. But here's what happens. As we go through this Christian life, we start doing things thinking, okay, I, I've got to do these things and I, I've got I've to get, man, I'm doing these things not for relationship's sake, but for religion's sake. I'm doing these things because I want to get closer to God and, and, and I'm, not, I'm doing these in and of myself and of my flesh and I'm just struggling. I'm just struggling. This is called performance-based acceptance, a tactic that works well in the secular marketplace but completely falls apart in a faith-filled life with Jesus Christ. You see, these systems have nothing to do with salvation or with gaining or keeping God's love or acceptance. But sadly, after salvation... Christians often quickly move from grace to works in their practical theology. It says this, in other words, while we don't trust our religion to save us eternally, we do trust our goodness to keep God smiling and to keep Him off our backs. We move, from, uh, we move subtly from saving faith to working religion, all to stay out of trouble with God. I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example. Past, I know pastors have mentioned this time and time again from the pulpit preaching. Uh, Sunday school, whatever the case is, we've heard it at youth camps, youth rallies, or heard it at meetings, different preachers say it. Listen, your walk with God is your walk with God. Listen, the worst thing I could do is compare my walk with God with Pastor Marshall, or Brother Overturf, or Brother Joe Mackey, or Brother Jackson back there running the live stream this morning. The worst thing I could do is compare myself to another brother or sister in Christ. Because I have no idea what God's working in their lives about. I have no idea what God's dealing with them about. And so what happens is, is we get this mindset sometimes, we get saved, we're in church, we're growing, and we start looking at everybody else and all the things that God maybe is doing for them, or maybe, maybe the things that uh, outwardly they're portraying. Let's, let's just be honest this morning. <clears throat> we can come to church, and we can grab a hymnal. Well, yeah, we can grab a hymnal. I'm at church, so I grab a hymnal. And man, I can open up a hymnal, and I can sing at the top of my lungs. And Brother Joe's back there at the sound booth, and he's watching Brother Andrew up there, and he's song leading, singing on out, blessed assurance. And here's what Brother Joe could be thinking. Brother Joe could be thinking this. Man, Brother Andrew, man, he's got a strong walk with God. Man, him and God are like this. Man, he just, that's what Brother Joe could be thinking outwardly. But you know what? Inside, inside, Brother Andrew may not have a strong walk with God. Maybe inside, Brother Andrew's really struggling spiritually. See, the point is this, is that if we're not careful when it comes to relationship versus religion, 
we start basing our relationship off of other people's relationship rather than basing our relationship simply, solely upon God and God alone. If we're not careful, here's what happens. We start questioning what we believe. We start questioning why we do what we do. We start questioning, well, is God real? Why doesn't God speak to me? Why doesn't God challenge me? Why doesn't God do this? I mean, he's doing it for pastor. He's doing it for brother Andrew. He's doing it for brother Mike. He's doing it for brother Joe. Man, he's even doing it for brother Jackson. So why isn't he doing it for me? So if we're not careful, we base our relationship with God on somebody else rather than on who, verse number 25 of our text here, Paul tells us to, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. You see, relationships, if we're not careful, when it comes to God, they'll fade. The beauty, the wonder of belonging to Jesus becomes a murky, foggy struggle with anxiety and uncertainty, wondering if he's upset, hoping we're, we're impressing him, trying to measure up to that level It's exhausting and it's fear-filled. At some point in our minds, God moves from being Savior, or Jesus moves from being Savior to being Sheriff. We move from being accepted to accused, and the relationship becomes religion. There's a reason why we have an epidemic, pandemic, however you want to describe it, of young people, when they hit 18, 19 years old, leaving church completely. A lot of times, you know, we want to put the blame on the church or we want to put the blame on the pastor, or the youth pastor, or the Sunday school teachers or society, whatever the case is. But I, can I be honest with you? I, I think really the answer is found right here is this, is that when we don't have a real relationship with Jesus Christ, whether we're an adult or whether we're a teenager or whether we're a child, or whether we're a mature adult, however you want to, whatever demographic you want to put yourself in, if we don't have a real Uh, honest relationship with Jesus Christ, one that is based not on anybody else but Jesus Christ, we're going to find ourselves straying away. We're going to find ourselves straying away. I I have yet to meet the young person who has walked out of church, never to grace the doors of church again, who has said something like this. Man, I was on fire with God. I mean, God God and I were just on fire, and, and, you know, God just led me to leave church. I've I've never experienced that. I've never experienced that. But here's what I have experienced. I have experienced this. You know, Brother Andrew, my mom and dad didn't think it was important to have a relationship with God because they obviously didn't have a relationship with God, so why should I have a relationship with God? Or, you know, Brother Andrew, uh, my mom and dad, man, they have a great relationship with God. They're serving God. They're faithful. They're faithful in their giving. They're faithful in their service. But, you know, I just, I never had that. So it's like, what's the point? No, no, no. It's individual. It's individual. Listen, I'm not, raising, I'm not raising Emily and Lydia and Bella and Micah and Levi to go, okay, because dad's doing this, then I have to do this. No, 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 I'm not raising them that way. At least I, I hope I'm not portraying that to them. I hope that as I teach them, and I, what I portray to them is this, is, hey, listen, I'm doing what I do, whether it's in the pulpit, whether it's in the office, whether it's driving down the road, whether it's at home, whether it's at Walmart, wherever it is, because of this right here and because of my relationship with Jesus Christ. I hope this morning that when we think about our walk with God, whether we're a parent, whether we're a teenager, a child, whatever the case is, I hope this morning that we're of this mindset that we do what we do not because of someone to the left of us or to the right of us, but because of Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. And so if we're not careful this morning, we get this mindset of, oh, I, 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 man, my walk with God, my relationship with God, it's just not real. It's just not real. And so we get to this point to where security gives way to anxiety and, <laughs> and confidence gives way to insecurity. And so we become discouraged. 
We become frustrated. We come into church, and no longer do we take a hymnal and open it up and sing and have a smile on our face. No longer are we fellowshipping with brothers and sisters in Christ. No longer are we witnessing. No longer are we, are we uh, talking about the Lord. No, no, no. We just get discouraged, and we get to the point to where we do this. I quit. I can't do this. This relationship thing with Jesus, I just can't do it. And you know what? You're right. You can't. You absolutely, you can't. And that's the problem, is that we have gotten to the point to where we don't want to acknowledge that we can't. we gotten to this point in our walk with God that we think, man, God, I know better. Man, God, I know what I'm supposed to do. Man, I'm supposed to read a proverb of the day. I'm supposed to read three chapters. I'm supposed to spend time. And we got this checklist we go through. And so what happens is, is our checklist becomes religious to us, and we forget the relationship. We forget the relationship. <clears throat> you know, when I wake up in the morning, and I'm getting ready for the day, and, and uh, you know, I, I, I don't have a checklist beside the bed on the nightstand that says, Brother John, like, things to do for my wife for the day. Number one, tell her you love her. I don't have a checklist. <laughs> you know why? Because I have a relationship with my wife. I don't need a checklist to go, okay, did I tell my wife I love her? Honey, I love you. Just want you to know. Okay, what's number two? No, no, no I don't have to do that because I have a relationship with my wife. If I have a relationship with God, I'm not having to look at God and my walk with God like a checklist going, I have to do this, 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 and this, and then God will be happy with me. Man, then God will bless me. Then God will answer my prayers. It's not the way God wants us to do it. In 2 Timothy chapter number 1, verse number 7, the Bible tells us this, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You see, this life with Jesus is supposed to be comforting and hopeful. And it's supposed to be, an upward, it's supposed to be upward in grace and not downward in discouragement and frustration. And here's what, here's what I want you to see what Paul wrote. Turn over to 1 Thessalonians chapter number 3. Uh, 1 Thessalonians, hold your place in Romans, but turn over to 1 Thessalonians chapter number 3. I want you to see this morning what Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica. And listen, he's talking about being an encouragement, not discouraging. So here's what Paul said as he wrote to new believers regarding why he sent Timothy to them. First Thessalonians chapter number 3, and he says this in verse number 2. And sent Timotheus, our brother and minister of God, and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ. Okay, while Paul, why would you send Timothy to Thessalonica? Look what he says this, to establish you and to comfort you concerning, what does he say there? Faith. Faith. Paul doesn't say, hey, listen, to establish you and to comfort you concerning your religion. No. He doesn't say that. Uh, He doesn't say to establish you and to comfort you concerning the church. No, no, no. He says to establish you and to comfort you concerning faith. Faith. What is so unique about faith, Brother Andrew? Faith is this. Faith is personal. You realize that? Faith is personal. Some people have faith that when they sit down in a chair, it's going to hold them up. Some people don't. Some people have faith that they can deal with things in their life. And some people are like, man, I know there's a storm coming. It's right around the corner. I just can't handle it. If I have one more thing in my life, my whole world's going to crash down. Listen, faith is very personal. And so if we're not careful this morning, we look at our relationship with God, and we look at our relationship with God based upon works even as a Christian rather than by faith. You see, the apostle was uh, concerned for the Thessalonians and the church there. He didn't want them to lose their joy, be driven off course by bad information. So let's get into our points this morning. 
Get through point number one. That was all introduction. Point number one. Here's point number one if you got your handout. Establish a biblical framework. How do we get to this point of moving and understanding that real Christianity is about a relationship, not religion? Well, number one, we got to establish a biblical framework. In light of all that we've studied so far in this series, we've got to embrace a major adjustment in our natural assumed theology of framework. We need to calibrate, he's in my notes here, he says, we need to calibrate our understanding of real Christianity. When you think of your Christian life, think relationship, not religion. You are not saved into a system. You're not, listen, I'm not saved, everybody follow me on this, I'm not saved into, I was, I was saved at uh, West Charleston Baptist Church in Las Vegas, Nevada in June 1991. I wasn't saved unto West Charleston Baptist Church. I wasn't saved into that. I was saved unto Jesus Christ. West Charleston Baptist Church doesn't hold, listen, doesn't hold, doesn't hold in a sense, the note for my, uh, my sin debt. No, 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 no. Jesus Christ paid that, and Jesus Christ alone. And so in understanding that, I've got to make sure that I, I'm not getting this mindset of, okay, my relationship is this religious system and this, this, this process of things I have to do. No, no. You were saved by a person, by a person. That person was the Lord Jesus Christ. And it says here, you were introduced to a Savior precisely because you couldn't save yourself. I mean, look, look back at our text in Romans chapter number 7 here. Paul acknowledges, I can't do it. There's no way I can do it. There, everything I try to do right, I can't do. And those things I don't want to do bad. Listen, Paul is acknowledging his sinfulness. And he says, listen, my sinfulness rules. My sinfulness reigns. And, and I struggle. And I'm having a hard time with this. Then he says in verse number 25, I thank God, though. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul is saying this, I'm thankful that my relationship with God is not based upon a religion, or not based upon my works, or not based upon the good things that I can do or I'm trying to do, but I'm thankful that my relationship with God is based upon one person and one person alone. And it's not me, Paul, it's Jesus Christ. You see, Paul said this to the church of Philippi in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. He says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. You see, you and I, when we're born again, we're born into a family. You and I are called a child, a son of God. You're sealed by the Holy Spirit, inseparable from God's heart, and you and I are given a relationship at that moment of salvation with God that no one can take away. But in that relationship, if we're not careful, we start applying some framework to how we think about God, and if we're not careful, our relationship quickly turns into religion. Say, so how do you say that, Brother Angel? Let me illustrate that for a second. We're here in St. Joseph, America, St. Joseph, Missouri. And for those of you maybe that are watching, that are watching from somewhere else in the world or somewhere else in the United States of America, I know many people who are watching from our church will be able to relate to this. Um, but we're on the corner of Mitchell and Riverside. And so uh, on the other side of, of Mitchell Avenue is 36 Highway. And on the other side of 36 Highway is a company by the name of Altec. And Altec, many of our church members work at Altec or have worked at Altec. Some of them have retired from Altec. And Altec's been around for a great many, many years. Great company to work for. But Altec is building a new building. Uh, and not just like, you know, a 10 by 10 hut. Like a massive building. Massive, massive, massive building. And so we've had the joy and the privilege over the last couple months to watch this building uh, come to life. And it's huge. If you were driving down 36 Highway, you wouldn't have to ask, well, where's Altec? You could just see the building pretty much from anywhere and everywhere, walk out the front doors of church, and you can see it. So what are you getting at, Brother Andrew? 
As this building is getting built, I've watched as these cranes have moved in these large steel beams, the steel structure. And this steel structure is the framework, if you would, of the entire building. So what are you getting at? If this framework is not done right, what is going to happen to that building? It's going to crumble. It's going to give way. Lives might be lost. The crane lifting up the the materials to build the trucks might give way. Listen, the framework of that building is vitally important because there's thousands of people that work there. The framework that you and I have when it comes to our walk and our relationship with God, if it's not right, it's going to crumble. So why do, you, why do you say that, Brother Andrew? How many people do you know of? Let me think about this. How many people do you know of who have, over the years, gotten saved, started coming to church, and then kind of slowly faded away? So we beg that. It kind of gets us to ask the question, well, are they really saved? Or could we ask this question? Did they base their relationship with God off some faulty framework? Did they base their relationship with God off of maybe more of a works to keep their salvation or a works to please somebody rather than by faith? Letter A there in your handout, we're going to look at this, the lens of religion. The lens of religion. If you or I frame our Christianity through the lens of religion, God will seem distant, impersonal, disconnected from the present pain that you and I go through. Our religion will be like a spiritual ladder, if you would, and we talked about that a few minutes ago. Each rung of our ladder will involve some sort of self-effort and personal uh, discipline and we'll have to do this so I can get to this. And so what happens is is every day we're like, man, I got to get better. I got to, I got to, I got to, I got to. And so our relationship is based then on us rather than based on God. So you say, why is that such a big deal, Brother Andrew? Because what we're doing ultimately is we're distancing ourselves from God. We're distancing ourselves from God. Often, after our salvation, we can get caught in this ladder trap. It's like we believe that salvation by grace is free, uh, a free pass into heaven, but at the same time, we've got to do all these extra things to continue climbing up this ladder and this religious structure. And so we think sometimes that we're not careful. Our relationship with God is more of a game. How can I get closer to God? What can I do? What can I think? What, can I, what, what are the things that I can do? Because it's about me and what I can do. And can I be honest with you? If we're not careful, we get a humanistic type mentality when it comes to our walk with God. And so when, well, here's what happens. We're like, man, I, I know I'm saved. Praise the Lord. God sent Jesus Christ to die upon the cross for my sins. I'm willing to accept that. So now I... I am going to do this for God, or I am going to get close to God by this way, or I, I think God thinks, I think God means this, or I think God wants, listen, what was, what's with all the I? What's with all the I? Like, we're somebody. And let's go back to our text here in Romans chapter number seven. Paul, I mean, the apostle Paul, the apostle Paul, who would never come in my office and say, I need some counseling from you, brother Andrew. It'd be the other way around. The apostle Paul is saying, I struggle with sin. And so here's man. Man, Brother Joe, I, I'm, man, I'm a great Christian, Brother Joe. Man, you have no idea what I did this week for the Lord, Brother Joe. Woo, man, I'm just, I'm just getting so much closer to God. I am a lot closer to God than you are, Brother Joe. Now, if you could, Brother Joe, if you could just be like me, man, we'll be good. Brother Joe, you don't compare yourself to me? Oh, that's your problem. You're missing out, Brother Joe, because I am close. I, I am closer. No, 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 that's the problem with religion. That's the problem with religion. 
You say, how do you know that, Brother Drew? Go knock some doors in St. Joe. Probably not right now because you, you really can't. But go knock some doors in St. Joe and talk to some people that go to um, some other churches and they'll tell you about, you know, the, well, the, the priest said, I, I have to do this. Or the priest said, I have to believe this. Or I need to do this, right? What does God say that we have to do? Where is God at in this? So if we're not careful, we look through the, the, this relationship with God through the lens of, of a religion. And we, bow, we, we get beyond ourselves and begin, uh, uh, to, we, we begin to forget all that God's done for us at salvation. But not only that, look at letter B there. It says the lens of relationship. The lens of relationship. If you or I frame our Christianity through the lens of relationship, the biblical view, the view that Paul is really trying to relay to us here in our text, then the truth makes us free. You see, God comes near to you and I, invites us into a relationship with Him. And Jesus becomes a friend, offering new life and joy. So let's think about this for a second. Here I am. I'm a sinner, obviously. I, we've established that point many times this morning in Sunday School. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. But there's a problem. In my sinful state, I can't go over here to where God is, and God desires that relationship. So here's what happened. God sent Jesus Christ to, if you would, mend that relationship, and by the, the, the sacrificial blood of Jesus Christ, I can have fellowship with God. Now hold up. I'm still a sinner, Brother John. I am still filthy in sin. That's what we've we got to think about this for a second. I am still struggling, struggling with sin, struggling with addiction, struggling with temptations, you name it. I am still living sinful. But I can have a relationship with God because of Jesus Christ. Now, let's just stop there for just a second. Let me stop and think about that for a second. That here I listen, here I am, I could, I could sin and whatever the sin is, and yet I could turn around, fall on my face, and go before the throne of God and say, God, I need forgiveness. God, I'm sorry. I made a mistake right here. God, I'm struggling. I, I, God, I gave in. And all because, listen, all because Jesus Christ right here says, I paid his sin debt. Man, have we forgotten about that? Have we forgotten all that Jesus Christ allows us to do in our Christian life? Listen, can I be honest with you? That, that's relationship right there. That's relationship. Here's religion. Religion's me going, okay, Jesus, move out of the way. Let me see what I can do to get to God. Jesus, move out of the way. Here, let me, let me, let me see how many good works I can do. Man, I did a couple of bad works. I'm back over here. Oh, man, I gave some money, so I'm getting a little bit closer. Man, I, I helped someone cross the street in traffic. Man, I'm getting a little bit closer. Uh, man, you know, I, 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 I paid it forward. I, I, I bought that guy in that white truck behind me at Starbucks. I bought his Starbucks. The guy with the OU symbol on his truck. I bought his Starbucks. Man, I'm getting closer to God. You all thought I was talking about Pastor Marshall, but you don't know that. Man, I'm trying my best to get to God. That's, listen, that's religion. Religion moves Jesus out of the way. But relationship says this. Jesus says, Andrew, Paul, you're a sinner. Man, you can try all that you want to do right, and you're going to do wrong. But it's okay. I shed my blood so you can have a relationship, you can have fellowship with my Father, with your Heavenly Father. Listen, the lens of relationship. In 1 Timothy chapter number 1, Paul wrote this to Timothy. He says, this is a faithful saying and worthy of expectation that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. And he said this, Pastor mentioned this the other night when he was preaching, of whom I am chief. Man, to think this morning looking at relationship. So why is that such a big deal? Let me, let's, let's finish up here. It says, consider some of the words God uses to characterize becoming a Christian. 
And I wrote these, these, these verses down, so if you want to, excuse me, go back and look at them later, you can. But here's some of the words God describes to characterize becoming a Christian or beginning a relationship with God. He says this in John chapter 3, verse number 3. He describes us as being born again. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 17, he describes us as a new creature. In Titus chapter 3, verse number 5, uh, the Bible talks about regeneration. In, in Romans chapter number 4, verse number 25, the Bible talks about us being justified or justification. Uh, the Bible talks about reconciliation. We're reconciled unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans chapter 3, verse number 25, talks about the remission of sin. Uh, uh, ransom, talks about us, our ransom being paid, salvation, redemption, forgiveness, Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 7. Listen, none of these Bible words imply self-effort or religious ladder climbing. Listen, my salvation, my salvation in Jesus Christ, I did absolutely nothing for it. Absolutely nothing. There wasn't no amount of good works. There wasn't no amount of time I could be in church. There was nothing I could do to earn or to gain salvation other than putting my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And my relationship is solely upon Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. It has to be. Otherwise, it's religion. It's religion. You see, Jesus isn't an afterthought. He's not an asterisk. He's not a, well, maybe. No, no, no. He is the reason why I, this morning, can have a relationship with my Heavenly Father. Bottom line. Bottom line. Listen, it's not because, listen, it's not because I'm a member of Riverside Baptist Church. It's not because uh, I'm, uh, I, I, I'm uh, a preacher. It's not because I work for Pastor Marshall. It's not because uh, Brother John Overturf's my friend. It's not because Brother Jimmy Wolfram's my friend. It's not even because Brother Joe's my friend. No, 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 no. I can go to my Heavenly Father simply because of Jesus Christ. Because of the relationship I have with Jesus Christ, I then can go to my Heavenly Father. Not because, I, I can't go to God and go, God, I'm a preacher. God's going to say, and? Uh, God, I'm a member of Riverside Baptist Church. And? God, I've been baptized. And, you know, I'm good to my wife. I'm good to my kids. I'm, I have friends. And, and I'm a blessing to the community. And I'm just a great guy. God's not going to go, man, that's awesome. That's great. Man, what a, what, that's, that's amazing. And here's what God's going to say. Do you have a relationship with my son? Because if you want a relationship with me over here as your heavenly father, all those other things, you're falling flat on your face. Because here's Paul, and here's Brother Andrew. I'm trying to do good, but I can't do it. I'm trying. I, I'm trying. And here's Jesus Christ going, I already did it. <laughs> it's already been completed. It's done. It's done. You're wasting your time, bucko, by trying, because it's done. It's completed. In Philippians chapter number one, verse number six, Paul wrote this. He says, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. You see, once born into God's family, our heavenly father invites us to continue forward in this new, undeserved, extravagant relationship of grace and goodness. You see, God invites us to know him, to love him, to enjoy him, and to yield to him in grateful obedience. He promises that he will work in us perpetually, he calls us to follow him, to depend upon him, to trust him, to have faith in him without fear or anxiety. And this is a relationship of unconditional acceptance and absolute dependence. Well, Brother Andrew, what does that look like? We'll find out tonight. Father, we thank you for the privilege and the opportunity we have being Sunday school hour. Lord, thank you for those that have been faithful this morning to get up and to watch the Sunday school lesson on live stream. Lord, for those that have faithfully over the last many weeks, 
I've been faithful to get up every Sunday, watch Sunday school, the morning service, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Been faithful to give, been faithful to pray, been faithful to encourage. Lord, I'm thankful for Riverside Baptist Church. Lord, I'm thankful for my church family. Lord, I'm thankful for my pastor and for our deacons. Lord, the desire, I believe corporately, uh, to continue to get the gospel propagated around the world. Lord, the spirit of unity that even in this time where it's, it seems like forever, but it's only been about a month, month and a half that we've been able to corporately meet, uh, just the spirit of unity and love that is found within this church. It's special. Lord, I pray this morning that we don't take that for granted. And I also pray this morning, God, that we don't take for granted Jesus Christ and the relationship you desire to have with us through your son, Jesus Christ. And maybe this morning we've gotten in that rut and that routine of just going through the motions and climbing the ladder and, and just thinking, well, I just got to do a little bit more. I got to do a little bit more. I got to do a little bit more. God, I pray that we would get that right with you, confess that error and that shortcoming. And Lord, that we would just uh, Lord, acknowledge our, our shortcomings, our sinful state. And Lord, just get close to you. Not worry about what everybody else is telling us to do, but simply worry about what you want us to do. We pray now for the Sunday, uh, the Sunday morning hour for pastors he preaches. God, I pray that you give him liberty in the pulpit. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.